Before we begin our message, I want to do a short announcement for those of you who are watching online. Um, we are working to try to find different creative ways that we can engage with you. Or if you are watching at home, um, whether you're watching at home because you're just not ready to come in person or you are watching online just because, there, because of where you live, there is no way you would be here in person. We would just like to know who you are so we can better connect with you um, and, and be creative about the ways that we can serve you. And so if, you could, if you're watching at home, if you could just jump on faithtroy.org slash at home and let us know that you are watching online with us, um, that that's the primary way that you connect with faith um, right now. We would love for you to just fill that out, answer a couple questions for us, um, and just let, and then we'll be able to reach out to you and be able to get more information over time. Um, that would be super helpful to us. Today we're continuing our series into every relationship. Last week we began talking about what does it look like when it comes to our spiritual conversations to bring Jesus into every relationship, to have those kind of conversations, to be prepared for those conversations. And so last week we began by talking about noticing and what does it look mean to notice the needs of people spiritually when you interact with people around you. Today we're going to dive into the, the idea of preparing for those conversations in prayer. Jesus was a master at spiritual conversations and a master at bringing those conversations into every relationship. As we read the four Gospels, we can read story after story of Jesus entering into conversations with people about faith, about the kingdom of God, about the forgiveness of sins. There are conversations in the Gospels that we read um, where we witness Jesus as having conversations in secret, where there's a man by the name of Nicodemus who comes to Jesus because he doesn't want anybody to know the kinds of questions he's asking about Jesus, where Jesus talks to him about what it means to be born again. There are conversations like Jesus has with a woman who meets Jesus at a well, and she's there in the middle of the day because she doesn't want anyone to see her, yet Jesus meets her there, and in a way that is scandalous to the culture at that time, Jesus engages her in a conversation, in a conversation that nobody would expect Jesus to have. There are moments through the Gospels when Jesus has difficult conversations with the Pharisees because of how they have interpreted the Torah or things like the Sabbath where Jesus um, calls them out on their hypocrisy. There are conversations that upset people because Jesus is in the homes of tax collectors where nobody thought Jesus should hang out with people like that. Yet Jesus is sitting and eating and drinking, having conversations. There's conversations that Jesus have with the lepers where everybody else wrote them off and wanted nothing to do with them. Yet there is Jesus having a conversation, meeting with them when no one else would. For us, as we follow Jesus, Jesus models for us what it looks like to have spiritual conversations. And when Jesus models that for us, what he does is he shows us that there is no conversation, that there's no relationship that's off limits, that there is nobody too far from God than to have a conversation where God might want to speak to a person. Jesus shows us what it means to think about and look for Jesus to bring, be brought into every relationship. And so whether those conversations happen in our homes, our workplaces, on the sports field, in the classroom, in a small group, Jesus wants us to have conversations with the people who need to be encouraged by the hope that they can have in Jesus. If you could turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts 
chapter 9. I want to spend some time looking at this particular text. And the reason I want to do so, in Acts chapter 9, what you'll find is you'll find two different encounters with God. One is the one that, that we might primarily focus on in this, by a man, a man by the name of Saul. And Saul was known for killing Christians. And Saul is also who we later call Paul and actually wrote most of the New Testament. And so there's a part of this passage which will talk about Saul and his conversion as he follows Jesus. But then there's another part of this passage which talks about Jesus' interaction with a man by the name of Ananias. And both of these, Jesus uses these together for the sake of a spiritual conversation. And so I want to read through this section of Scripture and spend some time talking about it and particularly how it might relate to our own spiritual conversations. I'll begin in verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. We'll stop there for just a minute. So, Paul, so Saul, um, he is on his way, and, and what he is going to do is he is on his way to arrest men and women who belong to the way. The way is just another way of saying Christians. That is, the, that is how they referred to Christians at that time. And so, so Saul, he has made it his life's mission, and he believes that this is a mission from God that he should arrest men and women who follow Jesus, that he has heard about this guy called Jesus. He has heard that they believe that, that, that Jesus even rose from the dead, and he has decided that he needs to put a stop to this movement. And in fact, he has gained some notoriety for putting a stop to this movement. And so Saul is on his way. He's traveling there. He's asked for permission to find men and women who belong to the way. And he's going to take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And then in verse 3, it tells us something, though, interrupts that journey. Verse 3, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Verse 5, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. So Saul is on his way to kill Christians. He is on his way to arrest these men and women, and Jesus interrupts his journey because Jesus has another plan. Jesus decides that something needs to change about the trajectory of his life, and God shows up in this supernatural way that cannot be explained, but he meets Saul on this road, and everything will change in that moment. And so Saul there hears God speak to him when he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, in verse 7, it tells us, and this is a little interesting to me, in verse 7, it tells us the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. In other words, when when this happens, there's a sense that it's it's audible. Like, they all heard the voice, but they didn't see what Saul saw. So Saul sees Jesus and has an encounter with Jesus. They don't see it, but, but he sees it, but they all hear it. So the voice is audible, but what he sees is not visual to everybody who is there. And so the men who are there, they know something is happening. They can't quite explain what is happening. They don't quite understand it. Verse 8 tells us, Then Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Now imagine for a moment if you are Saul and this happens. Like, imagine the journey after that moment. 
See, I got to imagine for Saul, like he doesn't have all his questions answered at that point. Like he, he does, although he has encountered Jesus, he doesn't have it all figured out about who Jesus is. And although Jesus spoke to him, I imagine he's asking the people who are traveling with him, like, hey, did you hear what I heard? And they're like, well, we heard it, but we didn't see it. Like, what did, tell us what you saw. And I imagine he's having some questions like, all right, am I going crazy? Did I just make this up? Did I just hallucinate? Like, what is really happening? And because of that, and because of Saul's journey, God also then chooses to speak to somebody else in order to confirm for Saul what God had been up to. In verse 10, it tells us, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Now, this is interesting. For Ananias, he has a vision. Saul actually heard an audible voice. And so for Ananias, this is something he sees and hears in his mind um, as God talks to him. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Now, naturally, Ananias has some questions. He says in verse 13, I have heard about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings before the people of Israel, and I will show them how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. So God shows up and meets Saul on this road. Meanwhile, God is speaking to Ananias about what he was already doing for Saul on that road. Do you you see that connect? That God was speaking to Saul and doing a work in Saul. And while that was happening, God was also telling someone else about it. God was telling Ananias, all right, I'm doing something, and here's what I want you, here's the role I want you to play in what I was already doing over there. Jesus is already at work in Saul when he speaks to Ananias. For you and I in our conversations, often God is already at work in the people that God is preparing you to speak with. God is already at work doing something in them, in their heart, in their mind. And so the question for us is, are we paying attention? Are we listening to what God is doing? And so God speaks and Ananias listens. God tells him, here's where I want you to go. Here's what I want you to do. I've already told told Saul that that there's somebody named Ananias and he's going to place his hands on him. I just want you to go and do that. And so Ananias shows up and, and Ananias supernaturally knows what God has asked and what God has already shown him. And so he does that, and immediately Saul's eyes are opened. He gets baptized. And imagine the conversation that they're able to have. And Ananias is able to share with him, like, let me tell you about this Jesus who you, who you saw, who you heard speak to you. And then is able to share about the death and resurrection of Jesus, to share about the power and the hope that he can actually tell Saul that all his sins, like all those murders... Don't prevent him from being a part of the kingdom of God. 
See, the truth is, it isn't changed, but God prepared that truth to be shared with Saul in an incredibly unique and personal way. For you and I in our spiritual conversations, I believe that God is preparing people for the conversations that we're going to have with them. And as we prepare for those conversations, the place that begins is we pay attention to where God is already at work. That for Ananias, he, if, if he wasn't listening to God and didn't pay attention to the work that God was doing in Saul, would he have missed that moment? And maybe God would have still done what God was already doing, but Ananias wouldn't have had the role to play in it that God was asking him to play. Ananias doesn't know what God's doing, but God was already up to something. The door was already open. Which is important because for so many of us, when we think about the conversations we want to have, we feel like the weight falls on us. Like the weight falls on us to start the conversation, to know how to have the conversation, to know how to open the door to that conversation, or to be prepared for the answers to the questions they might have about the conversation. When in reality, God was already up to something. He was already thinking about the things they were thinking about before they thought about them. He already knew the conversation that you want to have before you wanted to have it. And so maybe the weight doesn't actually fall on you, but maybe you simply need to be obedient to the direction of God in having that conversation. Because maybe God is already in that conversation even before you are already there. And so last week we talked about noticing, noticing the needs of people, the spiritual realities for people to pay attention to a person's desires and their needs and their struggles, their questions. Today, I want to focus in on prayer, that as we prepare for the, these spiritual conversations that we might have, a part of preparing for that is talking to Jesus about it, and talking to Jesus about the people we want to have conversations with. There is a petitioning for those people, right? We are telling God, God, here's what I want you to do. Here's where I want you to act. But I also believe God is inviting us to ask him. God, who knows more about who we want to talk to, who knows their thoughts, their hearts, their concerns, even more than we do, God is inviting us to ask him about the people he wants us to share with. And so if you want to learn to pray for the sake of your spiritual conversations, I want to encourage two different things for us in that. The first is that we should ask Jesus questions. The second is we need to learn to be encouraging. Together, those will work to grow one another. Because as you ask Jesus about the conversations you, you want to have, I can promise you he's, never gonna, he's not going to give you things that are going to discourage a person or lead them away from Jesus. In fact, the scriptures teach us in Corinthians to, the, that we, the, what we share with people should be strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. And as you learn to be encouraging, what, what you'll also learn is whether you are just being encouraging because you're just thinking of things that will be encouraging to a person and you're just trying really hard, or whether you're asking Jesus for an encouragement, those will build on one another. And you will learn there are times where God puts something on your heart to be encouraging, and there'll be times where you're just being nice and kind to another person, and those together will grow one another. And so we should practice. We practice doing this. We practice asking Jesus, Jesus, how do you want me to encourage a person? Who do you want me to encourage? Practice talking to Jesus and being intentional with your encouragement. 
Last week, Pastor Tony talked about this idea of muscle memory, that as we learn to notice things, notice things, we get better at noticing things. And, and the idea with muscle memory is not um, what it fi- your body physically does with muscles as you do repeated activities over time. It's actually something that happens in your brain, that it becomes second nature to you. Which means the same thing is true with our spiritual conversations, that when we, when we ask Jesus about a person that we want to share Jesus with, when we do that more frequently, we will begin to do that more frequently. Like it will become second nature for us. When we start to encourage people in relation to how we pray for a person, it will become more natural for us. And so what you'll find over time is you might even be talking to a person in a conversation, and but because of muscle memory, you might even be listening to God as you speak to another person. And you might be talking to a person and maybe a scripture comes to mind. I just want to share and encourage you with this today. But that happens by practice. We practice because it builds muscle memory. It, it helps us. It becomes second nature. It helps us get used to it. One of the ways that I've been practicing this is as um, I'll often, I'll pray while I'm driving or maybe while I'm cutting the grass or I'll go on a walk around the neighborhood. And the way I've been practicing it is I've been trying to write it down more that if I keep a list of, all right, here's who comes to my heart and mind while I'm praying, I'm going to write it down. And when I ask God, what do you want me to know? How could you want me to encourage them? I'll write it down. And for me, it's been a habit, one, to discern what is God saying? And I can test that. All right, does this match? Um, Is this what Jesus would say? Is this what Jesus says all throughout the scriptures? Um, Because if it isn't, then that's not God, so I shouldn't share that. Um, Is it encouraging to the person? And so I'll write all these down so I can pay attention to these things. And even as I encourage it, then I can also take note, like, all right, how did did that connect with the person? Did that that resonate with them? Did did that actually encourage them? Um, And then I can go back over time and just pay attention to, all right, what has God been teaching me as I put things into practice? And so practice listening, talking, and being intentional with your encouragement. Now, sometimes as I am thinking of things that I should share and encourage with other people, there are moments where I, where I have an immediate, immediate follow-up prayer, like, God, all right, please let that not be what you want me to share. Like, I don't know if you ever had that experience where you thought, all right, God really wants me to share with this person. You're like, I that God doesn't really want me to share with that person. You know what I mean? Like, there, like sometimes this happens, right? Where you think, all right, like, God, would you, like, I'll share with anyone except that person, right? Like, there are certain people where you're like, uh, like, like, oh, man, like, they're not emotional. They're not going to care what I have to say about Jesus. Like, they're just going to shut it down. Like, I can't do that. Um, and, I've, and I've learned, like, there, like, at times, like, that like that happens where I question myself, like I'm going to seem foolish. I'm going to seem like I am crazy and out of my mind. Like how can I do that? But what I've also learned is that a lot of times my excuses are indicators of God's direction. That a lot of times I make excuses most when it's what God wants me to do. And isn't that what happens in the scriptures when God speaks? God speaks to Moses and Moses is like, I can't do that. That's not what you want me to do. Or God chooses Jonah and says, I want you to go to Nineveh. And he's like, anywhere but Nineveh. God uses Peter to go to the Gentiles. And and Peter's like, I can't do that. Like, they, they don't eat kosher. Like, I can't go to those people. Ananias to Saul. Like, Saul's like, I've heard some things about him. Now, I would suggest if, like, a murderer comes to your mind, you that, that, 
that you should at least talk it over with your friends and your family to make sure that, that it's really the voice of God. Because um, I would probably advise Ananias not to do that. Um, but but if, if, if you're Ananias, God's going to make it really clear that he's ta- ta- you, you should go talk to a murderer. Um, but here's the thing. For Ananias, like imagine the excuses going through his mind. Like, I, God, like are you serious? Yet God makes it clearer and clearer and clearer to him. Like, no, this is what I want you to do. God is already up to something, and he invited Ananias to be a part of that. I want to look at Psalm 139, because in this, what I think we can do, it's this incredible passage that describes how God created us, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And when I think about this passage in connection with the spiritual conversations we have, Or connecting it to Ananias and Saul and the reality of how God knew each of them. It makes it feel a little bit lighter in the spiritual conversations. Because maybe God already knows more than I do about the person I want to talk to. Like like, like picture this when it comes to Ananias and Saul. Verse 1. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. What that means, that, that God knows about Saul, God knows Saul better than Ananias knows Saul. Like, Ananias knows who Saul is and what he's been up to. God knows him better. God knows when Saul was sitting and when he was rising. God knows when, when Saul was overseeing the death of people because of their faithfulness to Jesus. God knew Saul's thoughts before he thought them. And for Ananias, Ananias knows this is true about him, that God knows Ananias better than he knows himself. And he knows what Ananias is gifted for and what Ananias is good at. God knows his doubts about the conversation that he feels like God is leading him to have. Verse 3 says, you discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Like, imagine the comfort for Ananias having memorized that scripture. Like, when he's, go- when he's going and putting his hands on Saul, who kills people like him, knowing that God knew the words on Ananias' tongue before he even thought about them. And then in verse 5, it says, You hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. You can almost picture in that moment as Ananias is praying for Saul, God's hand on Saul, and with his other hand, his hand on Ananias. I believe the same thing is true about the conversations that you're going to have that you haven't had yet. That God knows what's on your tongue even before you've thought about what you're going to say to that person. That God's hand will be on them and God's hand will be on you. And he will be present in that as you share the hope and the promise of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. See, here's the incredible thing. Jesus created a hand-picked experience for Saul as Saul came to Jesus. Now, the the truth of the promise of Jesus' forgiveness of sins, of his death and resurrection, that was true for every single person. That that was not unique to Saul. But Jesus also created a hand-picked experience for Saul to hear that unchanging truth. 
So the conversation they have that leads to the baptism and, 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 and talking about the forgiveness of sins and that Jesus rose from the dead three days later, like that, that is what like all of our conversations have. But the uniqueness of that moment, Jesus knew exactly who Saul was and what he needed. And for some of you, Jesus knew exactly what you needed when your parents shared that with you. For some of you, Jesus knew exactly what you needed as you were going through a loss and somebody was able to share an encouraging word about the presence of Jesus in your life. For some of you, Jesus knew exactly what you needed when you were on that mission trip and you experienced something in a way you never experienced before. Why? Because Jesus knows you better than yourself. And so Jesus creates hand-picked experiences so that you can hear unchanging truth. John Arpberg um, says it in an incredible way, which this is not necessarily an endorsement of him as an author, but I could not find a better way to say this. He said, he is the one who made us, and he made us to be wildly, wonderfully, absurdly different from each other. Thinkers and feelers, backslappers and wannabe hermits, racehorses and turtles, the Lord made them all, yet all too often we fail to realize that our individual uniqueness means we will all experience God's presence and learn to relate to him in different ways, in ways that correspond to the wiring patterns he himself created in us. And so think about that. For Saul, Saul uniquely was created, and he needed to hear from Jesus in a way that he needed to hear. And God created Ananias in such a way that he was perfectly crafted for that moment. And you and I are perfectly designed for the conversations that God has been preparing for us to have that we haven't had yet. And so what I want to encourage for all of us as we prepare for those conversations, I want us to ask two questions over the next week in our times of prayer. I want us to ask the question, Jesus, who do you want to encourage today? And then the follow-up question, Jesus, how do you want me to encourage them? I know it could be easy to get hung up in these questions. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? That's not the point of the question. Um, even in this, right, you ask Jesus, who do you want me to encourage? You might be thinking, all right, uh, am I thinking of a church person, not a church person, somebody who's religious, not religious? That's not the point. Whoever comes to your mind is who you should encourage. Because you can be in church every single week and, and need an encouragement from Jesus, and you could want nothing to do with Jesus and still need an encouragement from Jesus. So it doesn't matter the details. Let God sort those out. And so as you ask Jesus the question, just pay attention. Who comes to your heart, to your mind? And in this, right, you should know, like for me, when I pray, it doesn't happen like Ananias. Like that's not, I don't have a vision. I don't hear an audible voice. It's more in my heart and my mind, someone comes to my mind. Sometimes I think that's just me. Sometimes I think that that had to be God. I, I don't know. But as you ask the questions, pray and pay attention. Who is God bringing to your heart and your mind? And as a name comes to your mind, for some of you that might happen right away, like even as we are talking about this, for some of you, you feel like the Holy Spirit is just shouting that name to you. Others of you, like you'll sit and you'll listen and a name will come to mind and you'll, and you'll question it. You'll be like, is that God? Is that me? I don't know. Um, for others of you, you'll ask the question, you'll, you'll hear nothing, but later today, like you'll just know, like somebody prompted it and you're like, that's the conversation. Or how, how God chooses to speak is, it like, don't, don't get hung up on, do I hear a name right now? Is something coming to my mind? That's not the point. 
The point is, who does Jesus want you to encourage? And then ask Jesus the question, how do you want me to encourage them? And so maybe while you're driving, maybe while you're sitting here, um, so as we practice this in just a moment, God, maybe he gives, brings to mind a, a certain scripture, a scripture that you love, a scripture that you want to share. Maybe it's a line from a song or a simple truth, like that, that God hasn't left you. For me, often as I pray, it will be, it will be a picture that will come to mind. That almost, uh, like Jesus speaks often in parables, and so it's almost a, a, a picture with words that, that demonstrates, here's what it looks like, that God's got his arms wrapped around you. And then as Jesus speaks that to you, then the challenge is to share that. If it's something that will encourage a person to, to share that, to speak that to them. And so I want to close by doing that and just take a moment to create some space to listen and for you to pay attention to who God might want to be preparing you for a conversation with. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your love for the people that you have placed in our lives. We thank you for the conversations that you are preparing us for. We thank you that you search us, that you know us, that you know our thoughts, you know our doubts, you know our questions. You know our fears in this moment. And Jesus, you know the people that you are preparing us to have conversations with. That you know the thoughts that are on their hearts. You know the concerns that are already in their minds, the things that they're worried about. And Jesus, we just ask that you would speak to us, that we would trust you to speak Jesus, who do you want us to encourage today? Jesus, would you bring to mind somebody that we can share hope and love and forgiveness with? If somebody comes to mind as you're praying, I just invite you to keep praying for that person. Um, to, to bring them before God. If you don't have someone in mind, just pray that God over the course of the day will, will show you who he wants you to share his love with. And Jesus, as we think about this person, how do you want to encourage them? Is there something you want us to say, to do, to share? A truth, a passage? Just a, as, a, as a way to kind of demonstrate, as, a, as an example of, as I talk to Jesus and as I listen and ask Jesus, um, the way I'm wired, I often, like, I'll have pictures come to my mind. And so one, I was praying before actually worship this morning, um, just kind of about this moment. And the picture that just kept popping into my head, um, it, it, and I almost, I picture it like I'm watching a movie in my mind, and it's just a picture of... Um, this person going to the mailbox like day after day after day. Like it's the same scene but different clothes. Um, and in that, um, 
there was a sense of it, it was it's a sense of waiting. I, I had another um, as I was praying, actually it was like a week and a half ago. Um, a, a picture that came to mind was just a, a person who was who was on the phone and they were um, with tears in their eyes and just like heartbroken. And the picture was of Jesus wrapping his arms around them. Both of those, in that, the scripture that came to mind is Isaiah 40, where it says, those who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. And so for me, as, as I pray and I listen, the, the question is, all right, is that, is that for somebody? Is that, is that something that someone needs to hear? And if it would, I hope it encourages it. If not, um, maybe it's for somebody else. I laugh, I learn. And if that's you, I, want to, I just hope that that encourages you that as you wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. That your, that your strength doesn't come from your power. It doesn't come from you. And as you go through the same motions day after day after day, as you hear news that you can't imagine how to bear with, that you are reminded that your strength comes from the Lord.